Hey everybody, welcome to the 21 Minutes or Less podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Michelle Obama's most recent podcast where she was talking about some low-grade depression she has been feeling. Um, So my first thing for you, Nikia, is, you know, have you been feeling the same way? Because as soon as I read the the CNN article that was kind of like a recap of her first podcast, I immediately started to like feel her, her pain and what she was going through. So, like, what did you feel when you were reading it or listening to the podcast? I completely understand. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say for me it was depression, um, but I would say I did feel a little down, especially around June. I definitely had to work a little harder to get my mom right, get out of bed, to the point where I wrote myself affirmations on my mirror I wrote down some scriptures I would like read affirmations to myself read books that like help me with my mindset and mental find YouTube videos just to motivate me because I was just like feeling down so I I can definitely understand yeah I think for me honestly I thought it was a little bit of depression but it was just like the loneliness, the the isolation, the not being around nobody. It's like, if I got a choice, I'm probably going to do that anyway, but it's the choice. Mm-hmm. When it's like, you can't be around other people, like, it's the best to not be around other people. It's like a little bit more difficult um, because it's like, it's no longer a choice. It's like you're being forced. So I think that was the biggest thing for me, like, especially since, you know, I'm, I don't, have a lot of people in Georgia that I'm cool with or that I talk to. So a lot of the times my social um, interactions came from school. Like they came from being at school, either through my internships, seeing my clients, either through being in class, seeing my classmates, or just being at my assistantship, talking to people in my assistantship. So it was like once all of that stopped, and of course, even though it's the internship, assistantship, and class, it's all in higher ed. So once they send everybody home for school, it's like I got to stay home from my job, my internship, my classmates. And it was like a really, really lonely process. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. And then just having to like focus on everything in one space. It's like even when I go on campus, yeah, I do everything on campus. I work on campus. I intern on campus. I go to class. But it's like my class is in a different building than my internship. My internship down the hall from my assistantship. At home, it's like my office is just where everything is getting done. So it's like it was super difficult to stay focused and motivated to complete stuff at first. Um Honestly, it still is like that's my biggest thing now. It's like I'm not I'm over the loneliness part. I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with being in public with, you know, maybe having a few guests over. But the the mental capacity to focus when you at home and you got to always be at home and still focus on work is super, super stressful. So I'm just still trying to figure out how to balance that. I completely understand. I think the reason mine didn't get to the depression stage is because I was I was in therapy. Mm-hmm. I was still going to therapy during this time. So I used that as a way to like cope and get coping strategies and talk about like how I was feeling and things of that nature. And then when I wasn't in therapy, 
you know, I would spend time with my family, especially my nephew. You know, kids are like a burst of energy. So just yeah. to be around it, you know, all that life and energy just uplifted me and uplifted my spirits. Definitely. And she also talked about like the um Miss Obama. She talked about the political climate in the world right now being something that caused her to be like down. And I definitely feel like that's stressful as well. I feel like sometimes it's kind of like a little bit, you feel helpless because it's like all you can do is vote. Like righteously, you can vote, you can help other people get registered, you can tell them to vote, raise awareness. But at the end of the day, if we're a huge minority as black people, we already don't vote as much as, you know, our counterparts in different races. And then it's like, we coming into one of the most important elections in the world. And now you like, what, how are we going to win? It's literally like a, how are we going to win when they outnumber us as a, just by their race. So it's like, of course, most of them are going to vote a certain type of way. And it's just really, really helpless. Cause it's like, say all the black people did vote. We probably still wouldn't win because we're outnumbered by white people. So it's just like, a little bit um disheartening to have to fight for something so bad and then still kind of like watch it not come to life in front of your eyes and it's just like a kind of like a downhill battle it's mm-hmm. like we could be as positive as we want but if we're looking at just facts numbers it's not looking good for us right um speaking of voting Michelle Obama did mention that in her documentary of book in becoming yeah uh, she was talking about how when obama was in office and he was trying to get certain things passed that you know our people just wasn't getting out and voting i just want to know from you like what do you think stops people from voting i feel like it's the helplessness they feel like even if they vote it what's gonna change mm. it's it's the helplessness it's like if we outnumber we like what 13% of the country, they like 50% of the country. It's like, even if again, if everybody went out and voted, it's it's super difficult when you have so many people on the other race, the white people, you know, whoever is supporting Trump, whatever you are, it's black people supporting Trump too. So it's just like when you have such a dominant force you going up against of like bigotry and you know, racist and just anti-Black Lives Matter, anti-Black people, it's really, really hard to stay encouraged when you kind of could, you can kind of predict where where stuff is going. So I think it's the helplessness piece. I feel like it's the lack of transparency within these positions that we're voting for. It's like, of course we're voting for president, but we're voting for like city councilmen, um, Congress people, uh, House of Representatives. So it's like, people don't see value in that. So they mm-hmm. literally probably just go vote for the president and don't even fill out the other stuff or they go and they just vote in Democrat or just voting Republican. But it's like, if you don't really know who you're voting for, it's hard to like understand how important it is with those choices, you know? So I think it's the lack of education about what do these people actually do? How do they affect me? 
and then the the hopelessness. Those are the biggest things. I'm kind of glad that you brought up other voting, you know, other than just the presidency. Because I think we get so caught up on just voting for the president that we forget about, you know, the other candidates that are important, especially when it comes to a local government. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to think about our the school system within local government, the justice system as far as, like, the jails, who's going to be yeah. the sheriff, the mayor, all of that. So it's kind of like when people do vote and show up, they only do it on a for the president. They don't even, you know, show up for the local elections. And that's what matters, I think, even more than a president. Because when you vote in locally, you're voting for people who go directly affect you and your family i agree and disagree to a certain extent because everything trickles down at the president like you know it's so many different mayors and little cities all these little villages towns suburbs everything has their own mayor so it's like not to say you could easily just move but you kind of can't easily just move like i live in stockbridge i could easily move to atlanta and have a black female mayor. Cool. I don't really know about the mayor of Stockbridge, but I know we have one. But I also know like you can only do so much. That that happens in Stockbridge. I don't even be in Stockbridge just here every day. Like I go to Atlanta, I go to McDonough, I go to Forest Park. So it's like I get what you saying by like that directly impacts you, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like you could easily move down the street and have a different mayor. You, as long as you're in this country, you're going to have to deal with the president's rules or however they're governing the society. And then a lot of times, too, like um, just as an example with the, the mask thing, the president is not requiring people to wear masks. So then the governors can't require people to wear masks. So when the city officials try to do something like mandate masks as Keisha, um, the mayor of Atlanta did, Keisha Bottoms, the governor is literally trying to sue her now for trying to make masks uh, mandatory when he supersedes her and he said no. So it's like, yeah, it directly impacts us, but also they don't have as much power as we probably think they do or people think they do. So it's like a double-edged sword because it's like, yeah, I want to be able to you know, elect the representatives that are directly impacting me. But then again, it's like, well, how much power do they really have? Like in the grand scheme of things, just they actually the have things. more power than you think. Um, especially when it comes to local businesses and their rights, when it comes to the educational system, when it comes to the, like I said, the jail and prison system in your state. So they actually do have a lot of power. So I was, and then for a lot of people, they can't just up and move, especially if you are already living in poverty. I mean, where you at is where you where you are. And just being able to pick up and move is not something you can just do without, you know, thinking about it. We can't say that because we don't have kids <laughs> and things like that. So imagine yeah, if you did I have kids and you got to think about the educational system. Think about if you did have kids and you got to think about, you know, it's just like so many other things um, that go into play. 
when it comes to your local government. Yeah, I still think it's a trickle down effect, though, because, again, if you can get a rule of return from a city by the government, it's like, okay, maybe we need to, I mean, governor, it's like, maybe we need to focus more on the state level because state issues, that's basically how a lot of people get money, too. Like, they divvy up the state budget for education and give it to different cities based on their population and stuff. So it's like, it's just all important. It's, it's, it's all important. Like, yeah. the government, the governors, the mayors, the city, everything. The But definitely the president, like. Definitely, definitely the president because he set the tone. Like he's he or she sets the tone for the governors, who set the tone for the mayors, who set the tone for the city councilmen, whatever. So it's just like if the president is not focused on bettering the people, how focused could, could all these other entities within the government really be? Like. We see yeah. it now. It's literally like Trump don't care about starting rights, starting people, starting groups within America. And it's like we left with the short end of the stick. <laughs> Obamacare. And we had a lot more, if not even like rights or freedoms or powers, unity. Like we was literally like, we're we going to stick together. We're going to try to be you know, empowering to these minorities, whether it was gay people, whether it was um black people, whether it was Mexican mm-hmm. uh immigrants, whatever. It's just like I feel like the the leadership is not trying to push forward these minority groups. He's trying to break them down. It's evident. So it's just like if we can't even be in this country and have certain rights. It's like you damn sure can't be in your state or your your city or your suburb. Right. It's just like it sets the tone for everything. I I I agree, but at the same time, we just can't we can't just focus on the presidency. We have to think about locally. Not saying that it is not as important, but it's, it's it is it's important. very important. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. I just think everything is important, honestly. <laughs> everything is important. Like, we can't let nothing fall. And even with, you know, what's going on right now, that makes it 10 times harder to vote. Like, um, for the Georgia election day, like, it was, I think it was, like, really, really rainy or something. But it was, like, it'd be small barriers that get in the way. Like, oh, no. Millennials be like, I got to work. Like, mm-hmm. If you don't get your ass out and vote, like, okay. I, I feel like they make it hard for no reason because everything is online and technology-based. So it's kind of like, okay, y'all need to transition to voting to be online or to be able to do it through mail or <laughs> figure it out because us going up to them old-ass machines yeah. <laughs> is not working. And then people say that it's rigged and stuff like that. So the president said that. Like, <laughs> how do you get people to vote through mail when the president is perpetuating lies about the validity of the process? It's like small stuff like that. Like, yeah. we need. And then you go to Obama page. Literally, he posted how to uh get you a mail in ballot. 
Like, do you see the difference in leadership? Like, literally, I could go to his page right now and I know he has something on how I can mail my vote in. I would be willing to bet a million dollars. It's just like, leadership sets the tone for everything else. Like, that, that affects our international stuff. We can't even go nowhere right now. Like, granted, it's because of COVID, but it's like, maybe they would be more likely to let us in if our president wasn't treating them like shit. Yeah. I also think um, a lot of people have maybe low-grade depression because of the constant negativity they see, not only in media, but on social media as well. A hundred percent. There's no way around. It's like the negativity. If you on social media all day and fifty percent of the information that you see is negative, whether that's coming from news articles, whether it's coming from family or friends, people you don't know, you're like digesting all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you gotta give yourself a break. That's why I truly believe in social media breaks. You just can't c- consume all this information all day and think it's not going to affect your mental health. Yeah. So what do you think about the people that I'm not going to say can't take a break from social media, but like, you know, some people, their business or their livelihood depends on social media, like maybe from generating more clients or, you know, different stuff where it's like, you might be a YouTuber or an influencer, things like that. Like, how do you, how would you suggest that they find balance? Like, I would say they need to time block stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always talk about time management, using planners and things like that. I just feel like, okay, if you know that you have to put out certain content or create content and do outreach, you should set up like different time blocks in different days for that. And then give yourself also a time block for when you're not on social media. Um, I, I forgot her name, but maybe that's something we can talk about on a different episode on, you know, how to, um, you know, just take a break from social media. But she definitely, and her name is Raven, and she's a social media influencer. And she just did a whole video on how she was doing YouTube for over 10 years. And it's like, literally taking a toll on her because she's putting out content every week for 10 years and sometimes even more content than that um four times a week and then she over time she had to reduce it because it was like really taking a toll on her so and you have to think about the judgment they're getting from the audience too so it's like they get you know free stuff they get the publicity but on the back end, they're getting people who are constantly judging their lives, constantly judging everything that they say, everything that they do. So uh, when they're looking at comments and stuff, it's just like being bullied <laughs> almost every day. Yeah. Just digesting all of that negativity. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it should be a balance. With anything you do, there should be balance and moderation. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up here. You have any closing comments? Um, I would say for people who may be struggling with being on social media is try to 
find different ways to where they can schedule their posts and schedule their outreach and create systems to where they're just not having to be on it all the time. Perfect. So thank y'all so much for listening to our episode today. Make sure y'all go follow our um, social media pages. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at 21 Minutes or Less. And then you can also find us on YouTube at 21 Minutes or Less Podcast. And don't forget to follow our personal pages. Mine is at Keisha Milana. And mine is Miss Butterfly 21 M-I-S-S. And we will see you on the next episode. All right. Bye.